Welcome to the World Cup 2022 podcast. I am Owen, your host, along with... Josh, your other host. And we're here to bring you all of the opinions that you hate to hear, but you know are true. It's a great, steaming it's a great opening. Takes. It's a great opening. We're going to have some steaming hot takes on a couple of the... Uh, couple of games today and yesterday so bear with us as we go in today we will get to the u.s game i promise you uh, but a couple things we're going to look at today specifically is we're going to talk a little bit about zimmerman's terrible tackle that awarded gareth bale and wales a penalty with just 10 minutes to go in regulation time during the u.s game we're going to talk about how bad cutter is there's your chance, Josh. Oh, objectively bad. Like, <laughs> Cutter, I barely know her. <laughs> We're also going to talk about England's demolition of Iran, as well as England beating Iran in the World Cup. And then we're also going to look forward to the next few games. So, first of all, opening game yesterday, the first game of the tournament, host country, a host country hasn't failed to get out of their group in, uh, gosh, it's probably five or six tournaments now, including the dual-hosted tournament that we talked a little bit about last time with Japan and South Korea. Both of them made it out of their groups. Both of them topped their groups. Uh, I, I don't think Qatar has a sniff of a chance of getting out of this group. Uh, they lost to Ecuador 2-0, uh, and, and they looked pretty pedestrian the entire time. Uh, and I know that we talked a little bit about some of our personal desires to see Cutter fail at this World Cup, but man, just I read an article that said they had two hundred billion dollars minimum spent on infrastructure for this, and they're just going to crash out. I don't know if you saw any of the propaganda commercials about Cutter's partnership with business during uh, during the games yesterday and today, but man, oh man, I just I'm glad to see them. Glad to see them just absolutely failing. Yeah. Hey, listen. Um, send us on a trip to Doha and prove us wrong. That's that's what I'll say. Prove us wrong. That's right. I'm not going to pay to go there. But if somebody pays for me to go there, you know, I I might. There's a possibility I could change my mind. No promises, but it, it could happen. It, I, there was some several comments during that game and, and around the tournament in general about how much success Cutter has had as a as an international team in recent years. And uh, in preparation for buying this tournament, I'm, I'm sorry, for being awarded this tournament, uh, Cutter, you know, created this Aspire Academy for, for soccer. And uh, all these players have been training in this Aspire Academy for like a decade or more together. None of them have been playing for clubs. They've, they've kind of uh, turned down club opportunities in the name of doing well at this tournament. So, yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, it's 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 a gamble. It's it's not a terrible idea when like we were talking about how little time the 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 national team players get with each other because they're spending most of their time at their respective clubs. But obviously, in this case, uh, maybe some experience with some top level top level football week in and week out would have done a lot better than the uh, team chemistry they might have gained from playing alongside each other day in, day out for however long they've been at their academy. Yeah, and this is no offense to a certain friend that we have named Jonathan, but what they have here is a little bit of West Virginia going on, right? I mean, they've just been 
playing each other for so long that the end product is not as beautiful as it should be if maybe their game gene pool had been diversified a little bit. So, uh, Are we yeah, talking about just... incest? <laughs> what? No. Get out of here. Uh, so there was one call in this game, and I don't know if you saw this frame-by-frame frame replay here, Josh, but there was a goal disallowed for Ecuador early in the game upon a mm-hmm. VAR review. And I know that you have a really fun relationship with VAR. Uh, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. did you get a chance to look at this? Can you, can you walk us through this a little bit? Yeah, let me talk about it. So VAR, for anyone who doesn't know, is the Virtual Assistant Referee. And essentially what's going on is they've got some very high-tech cameras all around the stadium watching the game. And if there's a call, um, particularly for offsides, um, but the, the video replay can be used for other calls as well. But particularly offsides in this instance, what they can do is get tight angles, compare where certain players are on the field relative to the other players at any given moment and use that to to make their offsides calls. So there was some questions on, is there controversy on this call? It was very early in the first game, the, the Ecuador-Qatar game. And upon replay, I don't even think you needed a high-tech virtual assistant um, referee watching this. I think you could see it with the eye as soon as they froze the frame. You could see the player's leg was offside by a decent amount enough. You can see it with the naked eye and you just have to, you have to follow that player and what happens. Um, and he ended up being the next person to touch the ball. So from an offside position, when a ball was played, he's the next player to make contact. Got to make the offsides call. So I think it was the correct call. I don't think it was that controversial. Once you see it um, in real time, I don't blame anyone for missing the call, but um, that's that's why we uh, have replays to get things correct, and I think I think in this case, correct call. Absolutely, yeah, totally correct call. I, I think you know we'll get into a little bit more on offsides in a, in a future episode, and, and we'll do kind of a segment on explain me like I'm a five year old basically. But the gist of it is, any part of your body that you can score with, if that's ahead of the last defender, then it's offside, and obviously you can score with your leg and your foot, so. That was in front of the defender. That was between the defender and the goal, uh, and so good call. I'm, I don't. I don't think there's any controversy here at all. It's just a matter of of uh, reading the rule book and and following it. All right. Yeah, so we can. I can comment on a broader topic, not just this game, but uh, through all the games we've had so far. Is um, they've been taking way too long in reviewing plays oh, this yes. World Cup. It's slowing things down so much. They really got to pick up the pace. And I'm sure part of it's like the 10 minutes of injuries we saw during some of the games, and that really stretches it out too. But, yeah, it felt like the games were dragging. It felt like the games are already starting to drag, and a big part of it's how long they're standing there waiting on reviews to take place. It needs to be quick. Yeah, I think our average game time is uh, not, I mean, not including first half stoppages, but you're seeing these games go to 98th, 99th minute. And the average stoppage time, second half for, you know, a European league game is two to three minutes. And so this is, you're getting into eight, nine, 10 minute stoppage times. It's just, it's crazy. It is, it's making the games drag. You're right about that. So the games that mattered, let's talk about those a little bit more. I will say, though, it is worth noting 
as we go through these that when teams lose their first game, they almost never get out of the group. And when they win, they almost always get out of the group. There are very few exceptions uh, to those two things. So as we go through this, take some solace in knowing that Cutter is probably done. So that's really fun uh, because they also played the third favorite team in that group. So they have the two harder teams to play still. We'll get into a little bit of the Senegal-Netherlands game. Uh, but yeah, hopefully they are done and dusted. So on to England-Iran. I, I can't imagine that Iran has much of a chance after getting completely battered in yeah. this game. Completely battered. And I think the scary thing is that it's a 6-2 scoreline in favor of England, and Harry Kane is not even among the goals. Yep. Pretty, pretty rough. Pretty rough go. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, there was one thing in this, just to kind of go back to what we were talking about, VAR. I know we're when we look at the NFL, we're so used to having all the challenge flags and review of plays and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that's relatively new in international soccer is concussion protocols. It's really only been around for about two seasons now, I think, in most of the major leagues. And... This came up during the England-Iran game because Harry Maguire was hit in the head pretty hard, the essential defender for the England team. Uh, and he was he looked pretty woozy. I think, you know, the protocol here is that you come out, you check the player if there's a, a suspicion of concussion. If the concussion is still suspected or confirmed, that player needs to be taken out of the game. Uh, and so, you know, it's not all that dissimilar to, to football. I think the difference with football is that you don't have any kind of substitution regulations at all, right? I mean, you can dress a certain number of players for a football game. Same thing with a soccer game. You can dress a certain number of players, but there's a finite amount of substitutions you can use. Uh, this World Cup is, is doing something a little bit different than most of the major leagues across Europe. In most of the major leagues across Europe during just club play, you have the five normal substitutions. You get the one concussion substitution to make it a total of six if you have a concussed player. But if you use that substitution, the other team gets an additional substitution, concussion or not. Well, they get six substitutions. This World Cup's a little bit different. You don't get that substitution no matter what. It has to be a concussion. So you still only get the five substitutions. It's a little bit different. Uh, but it's it is it's good to see them taking care of player safety in, in that respect. I think uh, soccer is kind of underrated as a <laughs> I could speak to personal experience on this one is underrated as, as kind of a place where concussions happen uh, in pretty significant ways. So uh, it, it's I, I hope that it doesn't become something that's uh, that's abused which I have seen a couple of times, but, but yeah, Harry Maguire taken off. And that's a little bit of, of why that's, uh, why that's different. Yeah. Anything else in this England Iran game, Josh? Yeah. It, um, it's, it's no fun when you're, when you're playing in a soccer game with your friend Owen and you see him get hit in the head and go down to the ground and shaking and not breathing. Uh, it's a little, it's a little scary to watch. So don't enjoy that. And, uh, Hope I never experienced something like that again. But uh, yeah, I'm glad they're looking out for player safety. I, I mean, I, I will say as far as broadcasting goes, I don't need to see um, a goalie and his defender diving face first into each other from every single angle you have. That's let's let's not show that. Um, yeah. 
that's that was pretty gruesome. They just kept kept showing it over and over again on the screen. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, we spent a little bit of time talking about Jordan Pickford's tiny short T Rex arms as well. He really should have saved, uh, especially that first goal from Iran. Uh, if he had yeah. normal sized arms. Uh, some of you may find that I absolutely hate Jordan Pickford as we go through this, and, and hopefully he just has a terrible game on Friday because, good grief, do I I just cannot stand him. England's goalkeeper, he's he's the worst. Um, really should have yeah. saved that. I, I totally agree with you. Maybe maybe in a couple of years we'll see them adopt that injury tent. They'll come out and put up a TP in the middle of the field and <laughs> cover up the players while they <laughs> while they check them out. I don't know if we. I don't know if we need that. <laughs> yeah, talk about we'll see. games. We'll get to 130 minute games if we start doing that. So, for real, yeah. Oh. And the thing with Pickford, he's got the T Rex arms, but he doesn't even have like Velociraptor dexterity. He can't even get like a a doorknob open with those claws. Um, so, he can't. he can't. And he loves I, yelling. At I was, people. It's always somebody else's fault. That's that's the best part. Yeah, you love that in a friend. Um, yeah, always blaming did. others. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see uh, future Liverpool star Jude Bellingham get on the score sheet. <laughs> there it is. Speak it into existence and it will come true, Josh. Yeah, Jude Bellingham ha- had a really, really great game. It's England's just so incredibly talented. They have such a deep roster. Uh, you know, the comment was made, they brought on four substitutes, and the four that came on were Marcus Rashford, who's exceptional. It's great. Phil Foden, who's exceptional. And a tool. Yes, and a tool. Uh, Jack Grealish, who's exceptional and a bigger tool. And not nearly, <laughs> as, good as, not nearly as good as Miguel Almiron. I think we've, we've kind of gone over that ad nauseum. But, um, and, and then Callum Wilson, of course, comes on. And, I mean, any of those players would not just walk onto the U.S. team, but would be, be the in top, be in the top two players on the U.S. team. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just it's crazy what they have and, and what's kind of at their disposal. It'll be interesting to see if Harry Maguire can play in the game on Friday. I don't know what the the protocols are around a confirmed concussion and whether or not they have to sit or not. He always plays better for England than he does for Man United. And I thought he had a decent game today. I think Eric Dyer is a massive liability. And so there is a world in which, you know, having Eric Dyer in a back two, which he's just not accustomed to playing uh, at all for, for Tottenham, his club team, uh, could be a really a huge advantage for, for the U.S. on Friday. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, I would love to see Eric Dyer in a back two. I think it'd be fantastic. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right, Netherlands and Senegal, second game today. So I I think both these teams looked fine. They looked fine, about what we expected. I, I think I love the Dutch. I always love the Dutch. I think that they don't quite have the teeth going forward uh, that I'd like for them to have. Uh, that being said, neither does Senegal because Sadio Mane is not in this tournament. Uh, you know, we did get to see the Netherlands uh, best attacker Memphis Depay come on uh, around the 65th minute and he had an impact on the game. He is, I think he assisted or uh, was the pass before the assist on both goals. So, you know, he had an impact obviously, but 
Yeah, ultimately Senegal's goalkeeping let them down. I feel like I had a little bit of a premonition about that. Uh, that first goal in the 85th minute took 85 minutes of play before uh, the Dutch were able to score on Senegal and ultimately win that game 2-0. Um, but Mendy just was not paying attention. You know, he, he, yeah, he overperformed. Yeah, he, he overperformed at Chelsea last season. And he's now lost his spot again and at, at club level. And it was just terrible. It was He looked unsettled, and the goal that he gave up was just a total lack of awareness. Total lack of awareness on that first one. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a great run and good header, but sure. um, yeah, I, I agree. the The goalkeeping was not uh, not good enough for the level we're at. No, and they just don't have the teeth going forward without Mane. I thought Sar looked bright a couple of times, but um, you know, you've got a guy that's <laughs> Sadio Mane who was, you know, contending for the Golden Boot in the Premier League last season, and you have uh, Sar who was on a relegated Watford team. So as, as good as Sar is on his best days, he's nowhere near the level that Sadio Mane is. So um, I expect Senegal to continue to struggle. And I think that after this game, uh, like we said earlier, you almost never get out if you lose your first. Uh, if they have any kind of a tough time against uh, Ecuador, Ecuador, which I think they will, they might lose that game. And that would be... That that spelled the end of the tournament for them. I think even a draw would spell the end of the tournament for them. So, uh, yeah, I hate that. I really liked the Netherlands and Senegal to get out of this group, but I think it's going to be the Netherlands and Ecuador at this point. All right. So on to the game of the day. You know. If somebody had offered me a draw at the beginning of this match, I would have said, yeah, okay, sure. And I would have been mostly okay with it. Yep. Uh, I mean, and this is the game that most of you, this is the game that that Josh and I care the most about, certainly. Obviously, it's, it's the United States, and this is the first time we've been in a major tournament in eight years. Eight years. Uh I understand why. Like, I get, I get why this game was a draw. You could sort of see it playing out, and it always kind of felt like maybe that was the most likely outcome. Um, you know, this is such a young squad. The U.S. team is so young, second youngest in the tournament, second to Ecuador, youngest teams in the tournament, and there's only one player on the entire roster that's been to a World Cup before. Uh, it happens to be former Newcastle legend DeAndre Yedlin, so the right back, fullback. He came on, made a substitute appearance late in the game. Um, he's the guy with all of the tattoos, the best tattoos. Um, and, it, you know, he, he he played fine. I don't think DeAndre Yedlin's a, a world beater by any means, but to have him be the only veteran that's actually experienced a major tournament is, I, I think, I, I think a hard thing to overcome, especially when you're trying to work the nerves out in this first game. Uh, you know, this also, and I'll let you speak a little bit to this, Josh, because this we talked about this two nights ago, but the U.S. dominated in possession in this game. And that is not mm -hmm. something they typically do. That's not something they typically do at all. And, and this team, because of the kind of youthful energy that exists within it, 
they really play a whole lot better on the break and they play a whole lot better with with quick transition and mm-hmm. so kind of what that means is that we're we're getting our best forward play and scoring our our goals like we did today right we're scoring our yep. goals on the break with a fast transition because we have a ton of pace and we have a lot of energy and you know we can beat people on the break I, we had over 60% of the possession in the first half. I mean, we at, at times in that first half, we were at 70-plus percent possession, which is just a mm-hmm. weird place for a lot of these players to be. It's weird. Yeah, I'm not sure how they'll handle that if we see more of that going forward. Um, I mean, I think their best moment of the game was what you just talked about, the goal where um, 50-50 ball, we are able to win and hold up play a bit, and then all of a sudden break away. Um, quick sprint up the middle, quick pass, and one touch into the goal. Um, it looked really, looked really good in that moment. Um, beyond that, I mean, we looked solid. It was it's good to have possession, um, but we've got to we've got to convert that to goals. And maybe this is a good time to remind everyone that with the group stage, um, you get three points for a win, one for a draw zero for a loss. So England now has three points. Iran has zero from their game. And then the United States and Wales both have one point. So there's a very real chance that um, both Wales and the United States end with the same number of points. We very well could have drawn with each other, getting one point. We could both beat Iran and get three points from that, giving both teams four. They could both lose to England and finish with zero points from that, leaving us tied 4-4. So then it would go to goal difference, and that's your goal scored minus your goals against. So that means we need to convert a lot in the game we win against Iran and not get scored on uh, or keep it at least close um, in the game against England if we lose, if that's how it actually plays out. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I think, you know, Wales maybe has a little bit of the advantage in in that they get to play around first. You know, they get to to hopefully run up that goal differential. Now, if they only win 1-0, they're going to feel a ton of pressure. If they don't win that game, I think that, that we have a very easy path out of the group, even if we yep. lose to England. Uh, yep. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to think. I just, I was shocked with the amount of respect that Wales showed the U.S. in this game. I mean, you've yeah. got a, well, this Wales team is only ranked two spots, maybe three slots behind the U.S. In, in FIFA World Rankings. This is a good team, and they've got tons of Premier League talent. And, you know, they came in, and they played as though they were playing for a draw. That's that's That was their game plan and setup. They, they wanted to come in and be the counterattacking team which is normally the way that the U S plays. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm shocked that they showed us that much respect. And I think it's, it's hopefully a good omen for us going forward. Um, you know, it was great defensive play for the most part. I think Zimmerman had just a terrible, terrible, terrible tackle on Gareth yeah. Bale. Um, I think that Zimmerman would look pretty pedestrian if he wasn't next to Tim Ream, who's just a grizzled Premier League vet. I mean, that guy knows what he's doing. He's got positioning down. Uh, he had an exceptional game. 
I thought both our fullbacks, our right and left sided defenders were fantastic. Um, you know, Dest, uh, our right back is, he's coming off injury. So he hasn't played a competitive game uh, since October. It's the same with, with Weston McKinney, who uh, Weston McKinney is one of our starting midfielders. Uh, you saw him kind of grabbing at his, at his groin and, and hamstring at about right around halftime. But both those guys are just exceptional talents that haven't played a lot of minutes recently. And so I'm hoping that fitness level kind of increases as the tournament goes on and that we can see them on the field more because that little kind of chemistry that existed between Timothy Weah and, uh, and Dest down that right side, uh, that's where a lot of the creativity came from. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited to see that continue to play out. Although I'll talk a little bit about kind of how I'd like to see the formation change for the England game and, and even more so the Iran game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was a good game. Again, mm -hmm. I would have taken a draw if I were offered at the beginning. Um, and I think ultimately the, the referee helped them come away with a point. Yeah. Oh, and do you have any other positives before maybe we shift to, uh, some of the negatives of the game? Uh, no, no. All right. Okay. Start the ranting. Lay into him. <laughs> at at the risk of sounding like Alexi Lalas because he's just insufferable. Um, again, it's a young team, so we're just not. I think our midfielders. So you've got Weston McKinney, twenty three years old. You've got Tyler Adams, who's the captain of this team. He's twenty four years old, twenty three years old. So I mean, they're they're really young guys. Yunus Musa, yeah. same thing, twenty three, twenty four years old. So they're all very, very young. And I think that uh, what they're not used to doing is controlling tempo and controlling pace. I mean, these guys are, for the most part, the accessory kind of breakup play style midfielders that you see uh, at club level. Um, Weston McKinney is a little bit the exception, but again, his legs sort of gave out on him a little bit because he he's, hasn't played a competitive minute for you know a month and a half. Uh, and so I think that the big thing today was just the inexperience in in kind of receiving the ball and then being able to control and turn in tight spaces. Uh, you see that from the best midfielders in the world. You saw it from Gareth Bale in a couple of instances, even Aaron Ramsey, who's passed it by a couple of years. Uh, you just saw them, they were able to receive the ball, turn in tight spaces and, and kind of make something out of nothing. And, and we just did not get that from our midfield today. And I thought that was a, that was a huge problem. Yeah, I don't think it's going to come in the span of this tournament either. I, I don't think things you can grow into. There's some yeah. things you can grow into in a span of a few big stage games, but uh, something that like that's much more of a uh, something you get through seasons and uh, some some longer term experience. Yeah. Now that's not to say that I don't think we can be successful. Like I, I really, you know, we're a team that plays on the break and plays in transition. And so we don't need that to come out of any game with a win. It's just, I, we're not going to be favored in a lot of these as a result of that. I think that's really what it comes down yep. to. So I'm going to let you talk about the referee because I might break something. If I talk about the referee, he was, he's Qatari. So maybe that's enough. Yeah, listen. So 
referees have a really hard job, guys, and um, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on them and a lot of eyes looking at them. So if we could just like lay off a little bit, I feel like I feel like I understand where they're coming from after all the hateful comments we got once uh, episode one of this podcast came out. And you guys said a lot of mean stuff about our opinions. And, you know, <clears throat> I just I just want you guys to be kind, okay? All right. So that's, stop. That's, stop. <laughs> just stop. It's ridiculous. So the ref was terrible today. He's He was overeager. He was somebody who was running around with something to prove. Uh, you know, they made several remarks about him being only 35 years old, but oh man, he's refed major games in the in the Asia Cup. Who cares? Those aren't major games. He's probably refed Qatar into whatever their last Asian Cup win was. This guy was a moron, and he felt like he had uh, on a field that included people like Gareth Bale, the biggest ego out there, and he needed to defend his decisions. It also just felt like he had a beef for the for the U.S. players, especially early in the game. And there was zero consistency. I mean, we had the same kind of tackles throughout the end of the first half and into the second half of Welsh players going in incredibly hard on U.S. players and getting no carding at all. They were just allowed to continue to play. I mean, Christian Pulisic had his legs taken out from under him a good 50 times. And it, the mm-hmm. fact that the part of the game plan was to take his legs out and the ref did almost nothing to protect him is absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The guy was a moron. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think that's a part of, of soccer that we're ever going to see uh, solved. You, you'd like to hope for some more objectivity from the ref, but we didn't see it today. And uh, it's unfortunate. But we uh, we will persevere and move on, and I think uh, I think that's all I have to say. You're a better man than me. Listen, uh, listen. My my entire childhood was playing tennis, where your opponent gets to make their own calls on the other side of the net. So <laughs> the number the number of times where I hit a ball, watched it bounced inside the line, and the the other guy on the other side of the net goes out. And takes the point. Uh, yeah, you learn to move on. And uh, after a few that's... broken rackets, you you learn to move on, right? Yeah, tears and broken rackets. Um, that's how I dealt with it. All right. So a couple of alterations again. It's we're kind of on the negative border here. So I'll, I'll try to finish up before uh, it, before anybody else has too much sodium intake. Uh, I would like to see a couple changes. We talked a little bit about um, just maybe having Aronson up front um, and, and Timothy Weah obviously scored the goal today. He scored it from a central position. I thought Josh Sargent, I, I think the kid's great. He's got a great heart. He was largely anonymous today up front. I mean, he, I felt like he couldn't even really excel in the holdup play. I know that he plays better in transition. I get that, but I just feel like Timothy Way has got a bigger body. He could assist a little bit more in the hold-up play. Um, and I'd like to see Aronson in place of him on the right side. So my front three against England and probably Iran as well would be Pulisic. Wea played centrally instead of on the right side. And then uh, Aronson, who came in in the right side of central midfield for Weston McKinney, I'd like to see him played further up the field. That's where he plays for Leeds. 
He's had a lot of success there. Put him up there. Let him run around. He didn't really settle in today. He struggled when he came on. I felt like the moment was big. You came on as a sub. You came on as an impact sub. You know, you're, you're supposed to make something happen. And it felt like he was trying a little too hard. Start him at the beginning. Uh, let him kind of get into the game. There's no way that he can be as anonymous as Sergeant was today. So um, those would be my changes. Do you have any changes you'd like to see in the squad? Nope. I uh, defer to you on that. Cool. All right. So tomorrow's games. For all of you waking up at 5 a.m. Eastern, uh, Argentina will be taking on Saudi Arabia. Uh, for all of you waking up at 8 a.m. Eastern, Denmark is taking on Tunisia. Uh, and then 11 a.m. Eastern is Mexico, Poland, and 2 p.m. Eastern is France, Australia. So we'll go through all of these briefly, but Josh, what's your game to watch tomorrow and why? Ooh, if you get, if you got to pick one, I think the best quality game is probably going to be Mexico, Poland. I'd like to see, I'd like to see those two teams playing well and, uh, how they do head to head. Um, we do have your prediction that France is not going to win a game this world cup. So it'd be fun to see <laughs> Australia with a pretty big upset. Um, and then of course, any chance you get to see Messi play. Um, I think it's, I think it's a gift anytime we get to watch this man on the football field. So uh, count your blessings and maybe, uh, maybe catch part of that game. But if you can only do one, I think I think it should be Mexico Poland. What about you? Yeah, Mexico Poland's a good game. I so I'm not going to be up at 5 a.m. It's 4 a.m. Central, so I will not be up at 4 a.m. Let me let me rephrase that. I have four kids. I I hope that I'm not up at 4 a.m. Uh, if I'm up at 4 a.m., there's something wrong. So um, I don't think I'm going to catch that game. But I do hope to wake up to you know a messy hat trick of highlights. Uh, that would really yeah. be the ideal thing. You're absolutely right. It, Anytime we get to see this guy play, it is, uh, it's just incredible. I mean, this is, this is for all of you Americans out there, like this is the Michael Jordan, except uh, Michael Jordan is maybe even a little bit more Cristiano Ronaldo. If you took Michael Jordan's drive and competitiveness and mixed it with uh, LeBron James physical attributes, that's where you get, that's how you get messy. I mean, it's, he is the perfect player from a speed perspective, yeah. uh, just how he's built, the fact that at his size, he can pivot and shield. And he reminds me of somebody who was incredibly frustrating to try to get the ball off of, despite being relatively short and small. Uh, a guy we played with in college, David Nielsen. You could never get the ball off him. And it's because he had a low center of gravity and he could shield the ball exceptionally well. And you look at Messi, he's 5'8", and I'm not saying David Nielsen is Messi. He's not. Sorry, David. But um, yeah, but Messi is just – he's exceptional. I mean, he's exceptional in, in, every, in every part of his game. Just the close quarter uh, control and just his ability to turn and shield and run. And he's still got quickness, even, the, even if he doesn't have as much of his pace uh, at, at 36 but this will be his last tournament. And so watch as much of him as you can. Yeah. If you've never seen Messi play, 
Um, the first time you see him, you'll think there's somehow a string tied between the ball and his foot. And he'll just dribble around people, and it's insane. It's crazy. Um, so hopefully we get to see some, some good highlights from him at the very least if we're not waking up uh, in the wee hours of the morning to see him play. So my, my prediction there is 3-0. What do you have for Argentina-Saudi Arabia? Ooh, I hadn't thought of predictions for tomorrow. Um, I'll go with 4-1. 4-1. You like Saudi Arabia to score a goal. Okay, all right. So Denmark-Tunisia. I, I think uh, Denmark is a really popular dark horse candidate. A lot of people have them doing the Croatia of 2018 uh, getting far in this tournament. I, I don't know if you can really call them a dark horse candidate after what they did in, in the Euros last summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they were so exceptional there, including knocking out England. So I think I think Denmark is a good squad. I think that this is going to be their last really good tournament. You've got guys like Christian Eriksen, who's kind of the, the maestro of that team, the maestro pulling all the strings. And he's He's at well, he's 31 now, I think. So, you know, you look at two two to four years from now for the Euros or the next World Cup, and he's, you know, he's going to be making cameos. So I like Denmark to win this. I expect Denmark to get out of this group, uh, and I, I think it's going to be 2-1. Tunisia has some, has some good talent that a lot of people haven't seen, and so it's hard to scout, hard to play, uh, and hard to kind of plan for. So, Yeah, Christian Eriksen is one of my favorite players, uh, so I hope I hope he does well. I hope the the team does well. I'll say two zero for that game. Two zero Denmark. Okay. Uh, Mexico Poland. This was your game of the day. Uh, it, it's not going to be my game of the day because I don't want to pick the same game as you. Um, I think it's going to be the most competitive game of the day. But I also think that Mexico are kind of a descending team. You know, we talk about we talk about the U.S. being an ascending team with the average age being like 23, 24 years old on that roster. Uh, That's not Mexico. Uh, A lot of their major uh, players that are super influential on that team are just are getting up there in age. People like Raul Jimenez has been chronically injured the last couple of years, Strager for Wolves. Um, They've got a couple of guys in the Portuguese league that are getting up there in in kind of their early mid-30s. And they're just not putting very many players into European leagues like they used to. You know, you've got a uh, Chucky Lozano was kind of the the fun, amazing wonder boy story from from a few tournaments ago. But he's even 28 or 29 now. So um, I think Mexico is descending. I, I like Poland to win 2-0 here. I think that they, they are also aging behind Robert Lewandowski, but he's also scored like 18 goals in 13 games uh, or something ridiculous like that uh, for a club this year. So I I think Lewandowski is probably the best out and out striker or goal scorer we'll call him in the world right now. So I just, I like Poland to to kind of get Mexico uh, and to, and to beat them here. I just, I think Mexico is going to kind of get found out in this tournament. I don't even think they're going to get out of the group. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the things that Lewandowski does, and he's he's big, he's impressive, he's strong, and I won't give us a, a score prediction, but I will give a two goals for a Lewandowski prediction tomorrow. So you got the same 2-0 scoreline as me? Cool. 
That's not what I said. I said he'd score two goals. Exactly what you said. So Australia, France, this is my game of the day, mostly because it's the late game. And I know that I'll be able to watch it. So that's really cool. I'll be able to watch the full 90 on that one. Uh, France on paper should win this game at least 2-0, if not 5-0. I mean, they just have so much individual talent. We talked a little bit about their lack of cohesion, and I'm I'm super down on them this tournament. Um, I think if they don't win 2-0 or more, that it's it should be classed as a as a huge disappointment for them. A little bit of a hot take, but I, I just if they win this game 1-0, I just they've gotta they've gotta feel like they have a problem. Um, I think Australia is kind of a hard team to break down. They just don't have quite the physical skill as, as the France team, just on a player by player basis. Uh, but they could steal a point here. I don't, I don't see a world in which they pull a Senegal and beat France, uh, one zero. Uh, and so I still think France wins this game. And and my prediction is two one on this one, even though my heart tells me one, one, I'd really love Australia to, to get a point here. If Australia does manage to tie or win this game, uh, I think you can say that Didier Deschamps is fired. I think they're gonna France is gonna fire their head coach after this tournament, and I don't think that France will score another point in the group stage if they lose to Australia. Yeah, I uh, I think I agree with everything you said. I. Uh... I kind of got the feeling that's going to be one one tomorrow. I think um, I think we're going to see a really good goal by someone someone on uh, France's team with a ton of talent, a, a, a great goal, and I think that Australia is going to somehow find a way to hang in there and then snatch away uh, a point at the end. So we'll see if it we'll see if it happens. But um, I, I agree if if it's not at least winning by two goals for France, they have to say it's a disappointing result. So a little bit of trivia. Who is the, uh, who's the Newcastle player on Australia's team? Ooh. Um, this is some next level knowledge. If you get this right. Uh, does it start with the word long? No, I give up. So Newcastle, End of summer, beginning of fall, signed an 18-year-old prospect out of the Australian Super League of Sudanese, or Egyptian descent, rather. Uh, his name is Garang Kool. Huh. And he is under contract with Newcastle. will join the, the squad full-time in January. But look for him to be potentially one of those kind of wonder kid super subs in this tournament. 18 years old. Has all the pace in the world, probably not strong enough to play from the outset and go up against uh, people like Pavard, who are just really good fullbacks on that French team. But once their legs are gone a little bit, you might see him come on. And he scored some exceptional goals in the Australian Super League this year, made the Australian squad as an 18-year-old, the youngest ever capped Australian. So look for Garang Cool, Newcastle legend of the future. I'll be on the lookout. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to sign off again. This is the World Cup 2022 podcast brought to you by Homekeeper, simplifying home maintenance for busy homeowners. 
and soon to be hopefully Coors Light. Uh, the, yeah. the the lighter version of the banquet beer. So yeah, we're, uh, we're future sponsors pending. Yeah, future sponsors pending. So we're working on the details. All right, thanks, Josh. Yeah, have a good night. See ya. Bye.